Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Ahmed Munawar. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Saeed. Thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. In this episode, we're going to be talking about distilling what we had spoke about in episode two, which was your broad intentions. What's that fire in your belly that really drives you when you wake up in the morning? Now we're going to take that fire and we're going to create some goals from that actionable goals that we can use to drive our actions and behavior. And if you missed episode two, it's worthwhile to go back and give it a listen. But just in case, if you find that your finances are not on track or you're not working towards achieving your goals, it's probably because you haven't identified those intentions. Go back and do that and you're gonna find that things become a lot more clear. Right. And today, we're gonna show you how to translate those intentions into goals. What kind of goals? Not necessarily stuff like, you know, I wanna pray Fajr on time, that's critical obviously. Not stuff like I wanna read a book a week, no, we're talking about the big financial goals, the kind of stuff that really is going to shape your entire life. And hopefully, if you achieve those things, you'll look back on your life and have no regrets. Yeah. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, when Ahmed and I were talking about this episode, uh, Ahmed gave me a great analogy from Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So Stephen Covey is famous for doing this demonstration in his time management workshops. What he does is he brings out a large glass jar and it's empty. And then he brings out three containers, one filled with sand, one filled with pebbles, and one filled with big rocks. And each of those represent something in the context of time management. I'm going to apply it here to personal finance. Right. So in our case, the sand is like the small, insignificant things that we don't even really think about, like spending money on coffee or buying lunch or just like the really automatic day-to-day stuff that just money just kind of, you know, goes, right? And you don't, you don't even know what happened half the time. Yeah, right? and it doesn't get you anywhere either. It doesn't really add value to your life. It doesn't it just, achieve your goals. It's not something that, you know, you, you it's critical to your success or to your future. The pebbles are the urgent things, right? So things like, you know, making your car payment, making your mortgage payment, making your, your rent payment. The things that if you don't do them, there's consequences, you're without a car, you're without a house. So you have to do these things, but they're not important in the sense that you're not going to look back on your life and say, oh, thank God I had a car. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, you need it, but it's not really going to get you to where you need to go. It's not, or at least it shouldn't be a life goal. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe for something. It depends on the car, right? <laughs> <laughs> in Saeed's case, I think a Tesla might be on that list of life goals. Yeah, it is. The big rocks then are are those goals, are the big, important, significant goals that will help you achieve what you want to achieve in life. Yeah, these are the things that you dreamt about at the end of that last episode, the intentions, the big, broad, fire-in-your-belly things that we had talked about last week that we're going to be speaking about more of. Those are your big rocks. So what Stephen Covey does in this demonstration is he pours the sand into the jar first. Okay. And at this point, the sand is about halfway up the jar. Okay. Okay. Then he pours in the pebbles. On top of the sand. On top of the sand. And then the pebbles, you know, just kind of sit on top of the sand. And now the jar is about three quarters full. Mm-hmm. Finally, he pours in the big rocks. And what he finds is that all the big rocks don't fit in the jar. 
So the jar is oh. now overflowing, and there's still some big rocks left in his container that, that didn't fit. Really? So all the big, important goals don't get the time and the money that it needs to be applied to them because we've taken up all of our money with all the menial stuff first, important or urgent stuff second, and the big, important things we don't have money left over for. So then he does it all over again. And this time, he puts the big rocks in first. Okay. Okay. So the starts are the big goals. And then he puts in the pebbles. And what so happens the, is the pebbles mm -hmm. now, they don't just sit on top of the big rocks. They start to, you know, fall in between the cracks to the bottom. Right. So both the, the big rocks and the pebbles all fit into the jar. And then finally he puts in the sand. And the sand, as you can imagine, now starts to fill all the empty space between the big rocks and the pebbles. And yeah. everything fits into the jar. Whereas the first time... You know, it didn't all fit. There were, there were big rocks left over. He hasn't taken anything out now. It's the same amount of stuff, the same amount of big rocks, pebbles, and sand. But by putting the big rocks first and then the pebbles and then the sand, all of a sudden, everything fits. Yeah, and that's fantastic. I think that this analogy is phenomenal in illustrating what we're trying to talk about here, that the big intentions, the big goals, that if you make those your priority first and you put the time and the money towards those first, the other menial things, the other things that will just fall in line and have their place. And it's a much better outcome than the other way around of, you know, letting your money fall out of your wallet and go into all these places and lunches and, and coffees and all that kind of stuff. And you don't have the money for the big rocks. So what Ahmed and I wanted to do in this episode was to take you past the point of last episode to, you know, create a fictitious couple because we don't want to make, uh, you know, wanna, we don't want to make an example of anybody this time. We created a fictitious couple that had big, broad intentions from the end of last episode. And we wanted to build smart, proper goals from those broad intentions. So the couple we made up, their names are Abid and Amina. They're from Tennessee. I don't know why we picked Tennessee, but that was well, a good We didn't pick, you picked Tennessee and, and I went with it. <laughs> but that's fine. We got nothing Go against Tennessee. Go Titans. Uh, sure. Yeah. Abid and Amina from Tennessee. They're married, obviously. Um, they make about $65,000 a year each as accountants. They're both accountants. Mm -hmm. Both accountants. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, they get uh, along. They, they have one daughter who's one year old, and they've got another baby on the way. Right. So Abed and Amina, being the astute, risk-wise listeners that they are, <laughs> paid really good attention in episode two and thought really hard about their intentions and actually put some intentions to paper. Mm -hmm. So what were they? So the big broad vision was they don't want to see their parents suffer or you know live in any hardship at all. So they want to support their parents when their their parents get older and start to move into those retirement years. They also have kids. They have one and another on the way. So they want to provide their children with the best possible education and opportunities in the future, right? Like every parent I think wants for their kids. They're both they both have not yet performed Hajj. So that's on their goal. They can see that. Like it's a very motivating thing for them to see and imagine themselves in the Haram and uh, performing Hajj. So that's a big one. And of course, you know, at the end of the day, eventually they do want to find a way to retire early and travel. And this is where most people just stop. Yeah. Right? And, and if you did this, the step of defining your intentions, that's awesome. But most people will just stop there and say, yeah, I would love to support my parents. I, you know, I love, I want all these things for my kids. I want to perform Hajj. I want to retire early. I want whatever. Yeah. Inshallah one day. And actually in, in my practice, when I ask people to bring, you know, for our meeting to come with a set of goals that you want to accomplish in life, these are what they come in with. Worded very similarly to this. 
Mm. There's broad, big, broad visions and intentions, not quite defined, not quite actionable. We can't really do anything with it yet. So we have to take these broad intentions and make them clearer. And we're going to make this really simple for you. We're going to use a goal setting framework that you've probably heard. And if you haven't heard before, it's, it's very simple, very straightforward. It's called the SMART goal setting framework. The S is for specific. Okay, so your goals have to be specific for them to be meaningful and for you to be able to visualize the outcome. Yeah, you can't just say, I want to make the world a better place. That's not really an actionable goal. You can't really do anything with that. So we need to specify what that means. M is for measurable. You have to be able to measure when you've achieved your goal and measure your progress towards the goal. Yeah, a lot of these financial goals, they're going to be 5, 10, 20, 30 years long before you actually get to the point where you've attained it. So if it's a 30-year long goal, how do you know by year 5, 10 that you're still on track? Well, that's where measure, measurability comes into play. A is for attainable. You've got to be able to realistically achieve what it is you want to achieve. Because if not, if you've got something in here that's really just like not feasible, it's going to throw everything else off. It's going to be demotivating too. And you're going to feel bad about it. Exactly. Now there is a place for, you know, really pie in the sky, dream driven goals. There's a right. place for that in your life for sure. And I'm a big advocate of that. Whether it's you want to start a business, you want to launch a not for profit, you have some really like, uh, you know, really motivating personal goal. Those are really important. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. The baseline finances, your base, you, if you are an advocate or if you have big pie in the sky dreams that's fantastic i don't want to detract you from that but you should still have at a very minimum baseline financial goals that are measurable and attainable yeah so these are the kind of things that you're just not willing to compromise no matter what you do in your career in your life these are things that have to get done and that's why they have to be very attainable yeah r is for relevant now if you if you did the work of setting your intentions, this should be easy, right? If your goals flow naturally from your intentions, they're going to be relevant because you've already, you've already made sure that they're meaningful to you. Exactly. And that's kind of why we took this step, the intention building step first before we got here. Finally, T is for time bound. There's got to be a deadline. And as we're fresh off of tax season, I can tell you <laughs> if there wasn't a deadline, I would not have filed my taxes. Nobody would. I work with accountants and they can tell you for sure if there was no deadline, people would not be doing it. The accountants this time of year are crazy busy. So that's the smart goal setting framework. And now we want to walk you through and actually take each of those intentions that Abd and Amina had set. And we want to show you how to translate those intentions into goals that are meaningful, actionable and tangible. So the intentions that we created for Abbott and Amina are not encompassing of every Muslim out there, but they are some of the most common ones that exist. So we want to demonstrate what it looks like to take one of those broad intentions. And if, the, if one of these are on your list, listen carefully, we're going to give you an example or a few examples of how to make those or what a smart goal looks like from those intentions. 
So to start things off, Abedin Amina really want to be able to support their parents in old age. Yeah, and who doesn't really? Bilal is a big part of our religion. So how do we define that? I mean, the, this is a, a really, you know, we start with this one because, you know, taking care of our parents is so important. But this is actually a very difficult uh, goal to set because not only does it require Abed and Amina to, to have a discussion with each other about what they're willing to do, what they want to do for each other's parents, but they also have to have a discussion with their parents about a very sensitive topic, like they're getting older, you know, health becoming an issue later on in life and determining what their finances are going to look like. So it's a very difficult thing to do. But if you are sin sincere in your intention to help your parents, this discussion needs to happen. So what comes out of that discussion is a pretty detailed goal. This is kind of how it has to sound. So in five years, Abid's parents are going to retire and they'll have enough money to live an additional five years uh, in retirement, being completely self-sufficient. At that point, they'll be 70 years old and they'll need help paying the bills to the tune of about $1,000 per month. They're going to live on, on their own for a few years and then eventually they're going to move in with Abed and Amina, sell their house, which is fully paid for, and then they don't need, uh, they don't need financial support anymore. They're going to move in with Abed and Amina. So right there, we know that Abed and Amina have 10 years between, they need to start, be, between now and when they need to start helping his parents uh, and at that point, they know how much they need to be giving them. So they have an idea of what this is going to look like. And they have a possible end date. For Amina's parents, you know, they're a little bit more well off. They had retirement planning on their minds when they were younger. So they actually are su financially completely sufficient. Eventually, when they get older, they s will sell their house. But they will move in with Amina's older sister at that point in time. Abed and Amina they really want to make sure they give their children the best possible education and opportunities. And what parent would disagree with that? But what does that really mean? So after a lot of discussion, they decided that there were three main areas that they, that they were most concerned with when it came to their kids. And the first and foremost, of course, is an undergraduate bachelor's education, uh, which they expect to cost about $75,000 in today's dollars. That won't happen until 17 or 18 years from now, 17 and 18 years from now, because they have a one-year-old and a soon-to-be-born child. Uh, so they know what that's going to cost. The second thing is that they want to make sure that their kids can read Quran and memorize Quran so that they are going to send their kids to the masjid every night for the night class. And that's going to cost $150 per month per child starting at age three. And then the last one was, you know, when they were younger in high school, they didn't have the opportunity to do sports and extracurriculars because of the cost. There's a, you know, a pretty high cost to it. So they decide that by the time their kids reach high school, so at uh, 13 years old, they want to have $10,000 set aside each for them uh, to, you know, help them to pay for the extracurricular activities. And you can see how this could look very different depending on what you want for your kids. If Abed and Amina had decided, for example, that they want to send their kids to a full-time Islamic school, then their goals would look very different, right? They'd, they'd say something along the lines of, as soon as the kids are four or five years old, we need to have five, six, seven thousand $7,000 a, a year set aside to pay for their tuition until the age of 17, at which point they go to they go to college or university. Yeah. And just with these two goals, right, you have they're supporting their parents in 10 years, uh, supporting Abbott's parents in 10 years, and their kids are going to have some obligations, you know, extracurriculars in 13 years and university 17 and 18 years from now. If they didn't go through this conversation today 
and they just went through life on autopilot, all of these massive financial obligations would hit them all at the same time and they would be completely strapped. Now they have more than 10 years to prepare for these things. I mean, not just strapped, but, you know, disappointed, right? Because, oh, I can't support my parents. I feel terrible. Yeah. I can't send my kids to Islamic school, even though I think that's important. I feel terrible. Right. And that can be avoided quite easily, right, by just taking these steps right now. Exactly. So Abd and Amina, like the rest of us who haven't done Hajj, really want to do Hajj as soon as possible. Yeah, and a lot of people leave it there. But if you're traveling to Hajj from North America, it's going to be very expensive. So Abed and Amina know that. They're from Tennessee. They have set a goal that they want to go uh, for Hajj in five years. By then, they expect it to cost $15,000 per person. Now, if you're from Europe or the Middle East, it's going to be a lot cheaper. But they're from Tennessee, unfortunately, so it's going to cost them a whole heck of a lot of money. Now, if they were like most people and just waited for the day that they magically had $30,000 in their accounts with no other purpose for that $30,000, and that's when they decided to go to Hajj, then yeah, I mean, that's never going to happen. And and unfortunately, in many cases, Hajj gets delayed for that reason. People don't really have a plan for it. Now that they've set a deadline of five years, they know it's going to be $30,000, they know they can set aside four dollars to $500 a month, which is chewable. Like They can do that. It's a lot easier to do that than to imagine a day when they have just magically $30,000 sitting there. And, and this is all too common, right? People typically will delay Hajj until they've satisfied all their other ob- financial obligations and they'll do it later in life. Because as we know, we are, Hajj is only incumbent upon us if we're, if we're able to perform it. Right? If we're able. But the problem is, if you don't plan today, if you don't plan now, when are you going to be able? And what if something happens to you before you're able? Right. That's, that's the thing that's scary, right? Like, what if you don't make it to, to that point, right? And you die. I would feel a lot more comfortable personally if I at least had a plan where I was setting aside a few hundred dollars a month and I was on track to perform Hajj by a certain date. I would feel more comfortable, you know, leaving this world with that than having no plan whatsoever. Exactly. And your date might be five years from now, might be 10, it might be 20. But just because you've set the date very far into the future doesn't mean that, you know, you can ignore it for an extended period of time. We should be putting some money aside for it if that's one of your goals. Finally, like the rest of us, Abdin Amina want to retire early and, I don't know, go to Bali or something. <laughs> oh, Bali is amazing. You know, I, I wish I could say that the rest of us have this goal, but I tend to struggle with young clients, Muslim and non-Muslim, to get them to envision what retirement looks like because they may have just started working. So thinking about what life is like after work is not really on their mind at all. But the reason why financial professionals like myself harp on this idea of retirement is because it's very expensive. And I want to illustrate that through this goal. So Abed and Amina, they know that the normal, quote unquote, normal retirement age would be 65. But they want to be able to travel when they are 55 and work part time. And then at 60, that's when they want to have a full work optional lifestyle where they have enough assets, enough financial assets, giving them passive income that they could choose to work or not to work, but they don't have to work anymore for the money. So that's 30 years from now. So they're 30 years old now, you know, so they know that once they live that retirement work off optional lifestyle, that life expectancy in across the world actually is going up. So they need to be prepared to have enough money until to last until the age of 90. So they need to have some passive income from 60 to 90. And they want to have 80% of their current after tax income for those 30 years. 
Now, that's, a long, quick... that's a long time to live without working. Exactly. I was just going to say that. So the reason why we harp on the retirement planning so much is because it's such a long time to be around, to have expenses and bills and not be making any money from working. So if they're 30 now and they're going to work till they're 60 and then they're going to be retired from 60 to 90, that's 30 years of work and then another 30 years of living but not working. So if we ignore investment rates of return, if we ignore inflation, both of those concepts Ahmed and I will talk about in a future episode, but if we ignore that stuff and we just said, hey, they need to save money today, put it into a bank account so that they can pull from it for those 30 years, 30, from 60 to 90, they would have to save 50%. Half of everything they make would have to go away into that separate account just to pay for their end of life, their, their later in life senior years. No, but just to be clear, like, so if you've got 60 years left to live, that's our assumption here. You've got 60 years to live. You're only going to work for 30, but you got to pay for 60. Exactly. Thank you. That's a very much better way of explaining it. That would mean half of your income has to go away and nobody is saving half of their paycheck just towards retirement and not to anything else. Especially when you have house payments and all that stuff and kids and all that stuff too. Nobody's doing that. Thankfully, once you actually take into consideration investment return and inflation, the numbers get a lot better, but it's still a lot of money and we need to make that consideration. So they can't retire in Bali? Is that what you're saying? No, they can. They absolutely can. That is an attainable goal. I mean, it's attainable depending on, on their um, you know, dedication and how much they want to put away. As long as they don't have any more kids, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we can't say that. No, I'm just I'm kidding. Of course, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. So, I mean, you can see right now that we've made these goals really tangible and we put numbers down on paper. You can see that, you know, first of all, Abin and Amina probably have some pretty important decisions to make. Right. It's, it's up to them to decide whether all this is doable or not. Mm-hmm. And, and if not, then to make some to make some changes, to make some decisions. Yeah, and in a typical scenario when I work with a client that has stuff like this, what tends to happen is they initially don't think, you know, that I can save that kind of money. Where am I going to find, you know, $2,000 a month out of my budget to put money away? You know, I've never done that before. You know, in the past three years that I've been working, I've only saved, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars how am I going to be able to do this going forward? But people are always surprised at the end of year one after working you know with a financial planner or having a, a, a regimented um, a financial schedule, how much they really are able to accomplish when they put their big rocks first. It's really astounding. I think that uh, you know budgets they're like goldfish. they grow to the size of their you know surroundings. If you it, how many times have people gotten raises like in our lives in your life as a listener, how many times have you gotten a raise that when you got that raise, you thought, hey man, my life is going to be so much better now. I have so much more money. but two months into the raise, nothing's changed. You don't feel like you're really any further ahead. You have because more that stuff. Just, you have more stuff probably. Maybe, or you went out to lunch more, or you said, hey, I'm busier, I deserve uh, going out to eat for dinner and not having to come home and cook, or whatever. You know, things go away to the little pebbles, or they go away to the, the, the sand, not into the big rock. So when you put your big rocks first, we make them a priority. So it's time to get to work, folks. You, uh, you, you know, you'd be forgiven for not writing down your intentions after episode two. Hopefully, you've at least thought about them. Yes. But th- these goals are not something that can be in your head. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's this is a really really detailed and critical process. So you've got to you know pull out the pen, pull out the paper, um, you know sit down your spouse, your parents, you know whoever whoever the key stakeholders are in your life that you know, are affected by all of this, and you've got to actually start writing down some goals. That's the first step. Until you do that, all of this is really just kind of you know theoretical. And it's just talk. We're just here for the sake of talking, which we really do want to uh, create some actionable benefit for people. So all the grand intentions that you had and the visions that you had from last episode, let's get to work and making them into smart goals. Ahmed and I will do everything that we can to help you through this process. So send us an email or put a comment in the show notes under this uh, podcast and leave a comment letting us know if you're having difficulty with any particular intention and how to create a smart goal from it. Maybe it wasn't something that we gave an example of and you're having a difficult difficult time thankfully i do this for a living so and i'll do everything that i can to help you out yeah saeed's a really nice guy really generous guy feel free to email him all the questions that you have <laughs> feel free to leave a comment for saeed and saeed would be more than happy to to give you lend you a hand there uh, so i guess you're not helping me with this no i'll help i'll help i'm just kidding <laughs> all right saeed always a pleasure anything to add before we sign off no i'm looking forward to episode four man inshallah jazakumullah khair everyone for listening and We'll talk to you next time. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.